With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL on the contrary show week 13 edition. We're happy to be here. Happy to have all of you guys with us. I'm Dave Lochran on Twitter at Lafayette underscore D. Joining me as he does every single su- uh, Saturday, Alex Baker, number one ranked DFS player in the world. Hit the man up on Twitter at Awesome DFS. What's going on, brother? Not much. Uh, nice little week 12. Like We got to double dip with Thanksgiving and then uh, a good main slate. So it's uh, It's been a little slow this week, to be honest, where we only had one Wednesday afternoon game. Like, what's the deal? So I'm, I'm itching to get back into the NFL DFS tomorrow. Very excited to bring in our guest, TJ Hernandez, 4 for 4 Football's director of DFS content and also co-host of the DFS MVP podcast on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. TJ and I go back a while. I'm talking like the inception of... DFS almost, where we were doing content for zero money at all, just trying to get our foot in the door. TJ, happy to be with you, man. It's been too long. Yeah, man. Yeah, Lafay. I mean, I, I got to straighten it out. If it wasn't for Lafay, I wouldn't have a job in DFS. He gave me my first little gig when he was running a, a site called Fantasy Bums with Haji. <laughs> Fine, huh? and, yeah, and then when, uh, when they went over to Fantasy Insiders, I hadn't had a paid gig before. Lafay was like, this dude's coming with us. So, I mean... That's my guy. All the, yeah, all the way back to the beginning, man. Yeah, look at you now, dude, crushing it. Seriously, right, check out it. all of his content. Uh, he's got some, some good stuff on Twitter as well, and, of course, at 444 is where you can find him. Let's dive into this, fellas. Before we do, hit that thumbs up, and if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, go ahead and do so. If you like what we do here, if you think we've helped you along the way, uh, and you really just want to help support us, help us get to that 50K mark that we've been pushing for, uh, you know, and maybe you've won some money watching Awesome shows, or maybe we've changed your thought process, your strategy. You've learned something new over the years of watching us and you haven't subscribed yet. No better time to do it than now. All right, Alex, let's dive into it. First order of business has got to be, and I always start each week with the highest owned, highest projected owned player, according to our Awesome ownership projections, and that is Brandon Cooks. 
what are we doing with Brandon Cooks? Is he someone in tournaments that should be, you know, that we should be over the field on, that we should have a lot of? Or do you have some concerns here that maybe Will Fuller's absence won't help him as much as many people think it would? Yeah, I mean, Brandon Cooks, after this Will Fuller PED suspension, looks like an amazing play because uh, really medium prices on DraftKings and Fandle at 5600 and 6500 that's pretty much a plug-and-play price at any lineup, so it's not like you have to go out of your way to get him. He's been having a great year already, and then you you take out Fuller, and you're replacing him with guys that basically haven't played this year. Uh, I mean, Kuti uh, is their number two right now, but then beyond that, you got practice squad guys, Isaiah Coulter and Stephen Mitchell. Uh, so it's like maybe they're they're somewhat good, but definitely replacement level players. So then you got Cooks getting even more targets than before, and Houston's been good at passing. So I like Cooks a lot. TJ, how do you see Brandon Cooks' role being influenced by the lack of Will Fuller from an efficiency standpoint, from a volume standpoint? Maybe more twelve personnel in this offense, which they've been willing to do a lot. And what is your overall focus on him, your approach when it comes to DFS this week? Tournaments, not cash, because this is on the contrary. And, uh, you know, obviously we want to give contrary takes to what most of the industry is talking about. Yeah, I I think uh, he was already seeing more targets than Fuller ever since Bill O'Brien was out. I think the thing we're going to see is is more deep balls. We've seen Brandon Cooks. Obviously, he can be a deep ball threat, but uh, Will Fuller was getting a lot more of those really high average depth of target um, uh, looks. Now I think we could see Cooks, along with the volume, see those really high uh, 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 yardage targets, but obviously that's going to boost his ceiling, but also could uh, lower his efficiency. So the wide, the range of outcomes widens a little bit. Obviously, might see a little more attention from the defense, but Deshaun Watson, one of the most efficient passers in the league, both overall and with the deep ball. So from a tournament perspective, I think because we don't have. Um, a lot of mega chalk outside of Brandon Cooks. He's the only player I have projected for over 30% ownership. Like, it's not going to be crazy hard to be overweight on the field. I think my approach is I'm probably not going to, like, be using him a lot as a one-off play. If I'm eating the chalk, I want to do it in spots where I'm stacking him with Watson and other players in that game, at least giving the, uh, like a, a lot of parts of my lineup upside uh, where I am eating the chalk and trying to be unique around him. So um, maybe adding a uh, Akins to the stacks, like you mentioned, a lot more two tight end sets and then uh, bringing it back with a, a Michael Pittman, who's been getting uh, a lot of volume and, and a lot of the air yards in that offense. I have Pittman at, 12-ish percent ownership right now. I don't know if that's a little bit too low just because it'll be a popular bring back. Um, but those two guys can help offset Cook's really high ownership. Is there anything about this Colts matchup that concerns you? Um, or, or are you looking at a Colts team that faced a lot of relatively easy competition early in the season and is beginning to come back down to earth a little bit? Yeah, the latter for sure. We we adjust for strength of schedule at 4 for 4 and we use a, a rolling 10-week win, window just so it has like the most relevant data. So I think a lot of people are going to be looking at full season numbers and see the Colts ranked top 5, top 10 against a lot of positions of, in fantasy points allowed. But if we adjust, adjust for strength of schedule over the last 10 weeks, uh, they're actually middle of the pack or, or below average in a lot of those categories. So um, again, I, I tend to fall back on efficiency, especially in the passing game. And Watson's one of the most efficient passers in the league. Alex, just given the fact that right now, 
in our top stack tool over at awesomeo.com, you have the highest projected own stack uh, to be Houston. Deshaun Watson getting the highest ownership at quarterback right now and the highest owned player, not wide receiver, highest owned player on the slate is Brandon Cooks. TJ talked about Michael Pittman as a potential runback. Do you see there being any viable options on the other side of this game for a Colts team that has a, a – the problem is – the the backfield has been muddled all season long. It's been difficult to figure out what that rotation's ever going to look like. And then there's a pretty flat distribution of targets in the passing game. But your boy, T.Y. Hilton, finally <laughs> popped off last week. Once everyone, literally everyone in the world, including you, finally gave up on him. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Did you have any? I had a, I had like three percent and he was one percent on, so like, <laughs> I, I didn't win anything off, off of that. But uh, yeah, the Colts have been tough to, to peg all year. Uh, you got a good matchup versus Houston, who's been below average in pretty in both phases. So I think that uh, this does definitely bump to the Colts overall projections. Uh, but then you take Jonathan Taylor and put him back into this running back uh, mix. That model muddies the waters a lot to, to figure out who's going to be getting the workload this week. Hines has could have kind of stood out with a few breakout games, but Taylor a couple weeks ago before he was injured was the lead back, so that's going to be difficult to predict this week, I think. What do you think about um, some other chalk here? And then we're going to get to some specific games um, you know, I always ask our guests, are there any spots, games, players uh, that you want to get to that you feel are imperative? And, and one that TJ wants to talk about, which we will touch on, and we just got a question in chat about that, is the Browns passing game. Uh, I actually want to talk about the other side of that game. And then Alex, of course, mentioned uh, we get in on some Jaguars Minnesota talk. But prior to any of that, uh, I want to kind of segue into the top owned running back Alex and that's Dalvin Cook now him and Derrick Henry are the only two running backs projected uh, or, or north of 9k on DraftKings Dalvin Cook 9500 Derrick Henry 9200 uh, and the ownership gap is pretty significant around 23 percent for Dalvin Cook uh, and Derrick Henry I think last yeah he's down around 15 so it's not huge but um, what are your what are your thoughts with these super high priced running backs this week? The two guys being north of nine k. I think that for a few weeks the high priced running backs have been really good plays. This week I'm not as convinced of that. Dalvin Cook. I mean there were there were some concerning reports about him being banged up. To me that when you take that and then you have a matchup versus Jacksonville where like Minnesota might not even need to put Cook out there as much as they have been. And that kind of translates to a spot where I don't feel quite as confident as I did before when Minnesota was in more competitive games. But he has been the, probably the best fantasy running back this year. He, uh, he, he's gotten up to 30 touches in different games several times, and that kind of volume gives upside that the other players don't have. Yeah, TJ, there's no doubt that Dalvin Cook, especially given Christian McCaffrey's extended absence throughout the season, has been the guy that can easily break slates. And while Derrick Henry isn't much for as, as far as pass catching goes, we saw what he can do last week with 140 and three in the first half alone. Um, how does this? How, how did the top price ba- uh, running back shake out for you here? Because there's no doubt this is going to be integral in 
in, in deciding what kind of lineups you can build depending or being contingent upon how often you get to these super high-priced bags. Yeah, I have Henry a little bit higher. I have him closer to 20% ownership just because there aren't that many backs that are viable options. I think once people start building by tomorrow morning, they're going to realize, like, we don't have any workhorses. So um, with guys like uh, who we'll talk about, Devontae Booker popping up as, as options, it's going to open up the opportunity to pay up for these guys, which will naturally push up their um, their ownership. I think you just kind of have to think about how you are – implementing them into your lineups uh dalvin cook a way to get unique with him i think is trying to corner all of these points that minnesota uh can score against a jacksonville defense that is bad against every single position on four for four they rank bottom 10 in fantasy just uh, points allowed to every skill position so one thing that i think people won't do is or won't do a lot is have cousins with cook and a pass catcher they might look uh one or the other so i think that's an interesting way to corner all the points if they do blow up against jacksonville whereas derrick henry i'm not necessarily going to play him with um any of his teammates because he's not really going to correlate with that passing game uh I, i think one really unique thing that people can think about is a lot of people like we're talking about here are going to be thinking either or so we're going to have a lot of very similar lineup builds where people are going high low with a booker and one of these guys um, avoiding this price range altogether in a percentage of your lineups is probably going to lead to some uh, some pretty unique builds. So kind of looking in that middle tier and avoiding the high-low uh, salary combination might be a way to get really unique in tournaments. You guys can listen to all of these shows in podcast form if you weren't aware. Any platform that hosts podcasts, just search Awesome O-A-W-E-S-E-M-O. It'll be there. You can also rewind this all back to the beginning if you're jumping in late or check it out after it goes uh, after it's live. Uh, at the youtube.com awesome channel tj sticking with you here if we make uh the transition to some games you mentioned Devonte booker josh jacobs has been officially ruled out uh, and Devonte booker is poised to get what we expect to be the bulk of opportunities particularly on the ground how do you see this playing out just given that jalen richard uh, i haven't really heard him talked about and maybe he shouldn't be but he was out for a couple of weeks with that neck or chest injury. And then he got off the injury report and then was re-added to it with an illness, non-COVID illness. And now he's off. He's expected to play. So whereas he wasn't active for the past couple of weeks, he will be in week 13. Does that cut in significantly to Booker's workload through the air? Uh, or are you satisfied looking at Devontae Booker at a mid-5K price point? Yeah, I think that um, the, the concern with Richard is that he, he cuts into Booker's workload, but like, how much is it? Uh, the spot sets up enough where there's going to be enough to go around where even if Booker sees 65% of the workload um, instead of like 80%, he could still exceed 20 touches. Running backs are averaging um, a total of almost 30 touches per game against the uh, Jets, and that's because people are getting really good game script against this team because they're a bad team and, and Raiders are a big favorite and Raiders already run at the fifth highest rate in neutral game script. So all of those things suggest that even if Rashard sees seven or eight targets, which I think is crazy high, uh, Booker still has 20 touches easily in his range of outcomes. So you're just kind of like taking that price tag. I'm, I'm, I'm very rarely trying to go underweight or fading a potential workhorse running back at a huge discount, especially like we talked about with the other guys. Like we just don't have that many workhorse backs anymore. Like there's, there aren't guys that are seeing 20 touches. We've seen guys like Camara fall off the map. So that just makes the pool even smaller. So you don't fade a booker in this spot. Alex, remember on the deeper dive 
back a year or so ago when, when we had time at the end, which was rare, you and Ben and myself would give our hot take of the week. Yeah, I mean, it well, sounds like you're, you got one. Oh, I do. I'm going to reintroduce it right now. Uh, the Jets win this week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And get their first W of the season. I know the line even moved from seven and a half to eight. I don't care. I'm not confident in this team, in this Raiders team. Gruden's done a good job in tough spots this year, but I don't feel it, man. I'm not seeing it. I think the Jets get to win this week. But that's okay. It doesn't really matter because it's not going to influence my DFS approach all that much. How are you going at this backfield? And then I want to get into the passing game because outside of guys like Darren Waller, you're talking about secondary tertiary options that have had us pulling our hair out all season long. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Booker, I I, I think he's a great play too. I mean, you you have Jalen Richard, who the Raiders have only really used as a third down back. He's never really gotten a workload beyond that. So I don't feel like Devontae Booker, who, who's been getting a decent amount of playing time already, has really threatened a ton there. And then Theo Riddick's their third back. He's also in that pass catcher specialist mold. So I think Devontae Booker, when you take a team that, that runs a lot, like TJ, you were saying, I mean that that creates a lot of uh, potential for Devontae Booker, and the price tag doesn't really reflect that. I think he's a smash play this week. But Lafayette, as you're saying, I mean, if the Jets win this game, that could mean Devontae Booker has a bad day. So it's no guarantee, but I think he's one of the safer bets on the slate. Look, I think he's fine. It's just, you know, throughout the guy's career, I, I don't know if people forget about this, but Devontae Booker's been in this like his fifth or sixth season in the league. He's been there for a while. And there was a time where he had the opportunity to, to, to wrestle away that lead back role in Denver. And it just never really materialized. Like, I think he's a perfectly fine backup, but would I be shocked if he's inefficient on the ground and they struggle to move the ball uh, on the ground? No, I I absolutely wouldn't. So I agree with you guys in, in, in theory, he's a very good play. There's nothing on paper that suggests otherwise. Uh, and this also isn't me suggesting that you go out and pivot to Jalen Richard. But I do think you look at Booker last week, four targets. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not targeted at all or maybe once this week and Richard's out there on third down. But, TJ, to, to keep this, this conversation moving on the same game, what are your thoughts on, on the passing game for, for the Raiders, knowing that simply Darren Waller has easily been the highest target share guy this year in, in, in Vegas and it's not even close? And then you've got toss-ups like Ruggs, who runs wind sprints 50 times a week, uh, and, and Nelson Aguilar, who has reinvented himself, and it makes me sick to my stomach. And even <laughs> guys like Hunter Renfro. Uh, what are we doing here? Yeah, Aguilar, your boy uh, out there. In <laughs> oh, Philly. that's not true at all. <laughs> just not. Um, no, I, so I actually don't think your your take on the Jets getting their win is a horrible take. But if the <laughs> the way that the way that plays out is probably 
because the Raiders' defense stinks and it's actually somewhat of a shootout and Raiders win a close game. Like, exactly. Raiders aren't, aren't going to get blown out, so Devontae Booker isn't going to uh, – he's not going to have a bad game. He's not going to get, like, game scripted out of this game. But it could be a really high-scoring game. And we've seen uh, uh, Carr, even though he – doesn't put up volume a lot. We have seen him put up ceiling games in spots, um, most notably against the Chiefs. But because he has been throwing deep more often this year, he has that in his range of outcomes with Waller. I think if you are going to try to uh, leverage against Booker, like you said, you're not going to pivot to Richard. I think stacking this game is interesting. I I wrote up this game as a as a mini stack or a secondary stack. I don't know if I would necessarily play car especially if i'm playing something like three max but pairing an aguilar with the denzel mims two guys that have really high average depth of targets as a mini correlation in a game with another primary stack is really interesting i don't hate that at all especially in the event that you're looking to pay up for you know one of these top price backs dalvin cook derrick henry or an expensive stack it could be aaron Rodgers and Devonte adams you know and, and then just several ways to go about that, Alex. And, and I think while it's risky, there's no doubt if you're in these really large field tournaments and this game does happen to see points, we've seen how bad the Raiders defense is, as TJ mentioned, maybe there is something here. I know it's ugly, but, but maybe there is something here. <laughs> yeah. I like the Mims call. I mean, he's, he's been pretty successful despite the bad quarterback play uh, averaged more than 15 yards per catch, catching a, a little bit more than half of his passes. So uh, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of potential for him to to excel. I don't don't hate Perryman or Crowder either. I mean, they they run those three guys out all together on a large percentage of plays, so they're all solid. They don't really throw to running back with Frank Gore or tight end with Chris Herndon, so the wide receivers are getting uh, a lot more work than other teams. So. I, I I see some value there. Um, I mean, they're the Jets, so I'm not crazy about it. Uh, even if Vegas doesn't have, you know, a great defense, I think they're about average. So, TJ, you wanted to discuss the Cleveland passing game. And, of course, people have been let down countless times by them this season. But as I mentioned earlier in the week, they played three straight games that were either in, like, monsoon-type rain yeah. or hurricane-force wind. I mean, just some really bad weather. They, le- they leaned on the ground when you have Kareem Hunt and you have Nick Chubb capable of racking up a combined 40 carries every week, 35 carries every week, you don't necessarily need to do much else. But this week, they'll be without Denzel Ward. The weather's good. And we saw what happened last week with Jarvis Landry being able to piece together his easily his best game, his first 100-yard game, his first touchdown of the season. What about this appeals to you specifically when it comes to the passing game against the Titans this week in a game that, by the way, has the highest total at 53-and-a-half on the main slate? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious your guys' thought on the ownership on the Titans passing game because I think it could be moderately high. Again, I don't think there's going to be a lot of um, guys that are super high owned in any passing game outside of Brandon Cooks who we talked about. But we've seen the Titans total move up to 29 and a half. And I think people are going to be sharp enough to recognize that Tannehill and A.J. Brown are a good leverage play off of Derrick Henry. And with that high total, we could see, I don't know, Tannehill approach 10%, A.J. Brown little over 15% maybe. So I think it's interesting to think about uh, flipping that, taking the contrarian side, especially because 
if you do roll with a um, a Landry and um, and a Baker Mayfield, you're really saving a lot of salary in a week where I think uh, there are some higher priced stacks like Aaron Rodgers and Russ Wilson that could be really popular. So again, you're kind of flipping that uh, that salary build on its head. And if we look at efficiency, uh, fantasy points per pass attempt. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Ryan Tannehill are actually neck and neck top five over the last six weeks. Again, not a lot of volume there, but if you can combine that efficiency with a super concentrated passing game, Jarvis Landry, who you mentioned, and maybe instead bring it back with A.J. Brown instead of stacking A.J. Brown, um, it's a really interesting tournament strategy to not only get low ownership, but to get that lower salary. And we actually just saw a millionaire winner use a Baker Mayfield. You don't need him to get 30 points if you're getting him at that low salary. Um, 20 points could do the job if you're able to stack up a bunch of studs elsewhere. Yeah, no question. Alex, we have this Titan stack projected a little bit lower uh, than TJ for ownership. And I talked about in the matchup show that if that's the case and we do have him coming in that low, I absolutely love him. And maybe the one aspect of that that shouldn't go overlooked is does A.J. Brown's price point, does that kind of keep his ownership down because he's up there with all of the other elite guys, but the volume hasn't been close to the same as them this year? But all ultimately, you have a, a Titans team that is averaging like 55, 60 points. I forget the exact number per game this year. And we've seen them involved in so many shootouts throughout the season. Yeah, I mean... I think AJ Brown's price tag this week of seventy six hundred on DraftKings that's just insanely high. Like that to me is uh, is unplayable. Like to be honest, unless you're just really trying to get contrarian or something. Uh, but the reason why is kind of what you're mentioning. Tennessee's passing volume is low. They run the ball more than half the time in neutral game scripts. Uh, I mean, the matchup versus Cleveland, they're a decent favorite. But Cleveland's defense isn't isn't bad, so I don't see a, a huge advantage in, in going to A.J. Brown uh, or, or any of the other the guys. Uh, although they, they might make nice leverage because Derrick Henry had such a good game last week that people might just run that back. And if you play that, Tennessee has more passing volume uh, than usual, then Derrick Henry should suffer from that. 59 points since week two has been the average total. Yeah, TJ, I'm on a slightly different page here. I mean, I, Alex, I totally get what you're saying, but my my one counterpoint to that, and then TJ, you can wrap this game up uh, with your final thoughts on it, is while they have been a run-heavy offense, obviously there's no dispute there, no debate whatsoever. Tannehill has popped off for some big games this year. Uh, he has that four-touchdown, 366-yard game against Houston, 78 total points. He had 34 fantasy points. He had 30 DraftKings points in that blowout win against Buffalo. He had 27 against Jacksonville. So while he isn't someone that I necessarily expect to go out there and sling it like a Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick, I, I do see there being some value in the fact that if it does shoot out and everyone is on Henry, what Alex just kind of pointed out, Maybe there is some leverage to be had here, especially if it comes in on their own for those exact reasons. Uh, your final thoughts on Cleveland, Tennessee? Yeah, um, I mean, I just think if you are going to stack it, like it's not, a, you're already going to be contrarian on it. I think I don't think it's a game where you really need to go to any like secondary or ancillary pass catchers in there. Like I think some people might all of a sudden try to get cute with uh, with Ferkser because Johnny Smith is out, and I'm not playing that game. Fair enough. <laughs> um, 
there's a, a lot of talk. By the way, Clayton Eskew, thank you for the super chat. Here's to appreciating the privilege of free content. Well, we appreciate that, dude. And to uh, David Zaleski, he is a constant super chatter. So thanks, brother. Always appreciate your guys' support. The, the one spot, Alex, that is coming up a lot right now in chat is Miles Sanders. So let's go, let's go straight to this game. The Eagles have been god-awful this season. <laughs> I won't spend time on it because we only have an hour today. But they've been terrible. Man, I pull up Philly radio, and I keep hearing, again, Philly covers, Philly covers. Nine points is a lot. I get that. Uh, but Philly covers, Philly covers. Here we go. Their line's garbage, number one. It's been completely broken down. And Doug Peterson has effectively figured out a way to abandon the run game in almost – Every single week, Miles Sanders has one game of 20 carries all season long. So let's start it with him. They're nine-point dogs, 49-point total out in Lambeau Field. What are your thoughts on Miles Sanders? Because a lot of people are talking about him. Wow, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised people are talking about him. I kind of agreed with uh, what El Negro will go was saying in chat earlier, that uh, they're calling up Jordan Howard. That's, I mean, that's not going to affect Miles Sanders a ton, but – like having a power rusher, like I, I think you got to be worried because maybe some goal line carries could go to Howard. That's kind of his specialty. Problem is they don't get to the goal line. To <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it's like not a good matchup versus, versus Green Bay. Um, I mean, their defense isn't amazing, but just the fact that they're going to be able to sustain drives and put up points, that means Miles Sanders is a little bit it's harder to see him dominating the game so i just don't see it yeah i basically ate shit on sanders this year tj because i i recommended taking him in the first round back in you know may or june uh but the team has been so bad that we'll never really figure out what we're getting from this year he had consecutive weeks with 74 yard runs he has that explosive nature where he can just rack up huge huge games but he's not given the opportunity. Is there anybody, is there anyone on Philadelphia right now that you feel okay targeting? No. <laughs> uh, dude, I, I feel your pain. The, the Eagles are my highest owned offense in best ball by a huge margin. So you know how my value ball- was good. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think people um, get caught up in the trap a little bit. There's so much DFS information now that people feel like you need a, a run back or a contrarian play in every single popular game. I just don't think this is the game. I think the, the way to leverage this game is to look for leverage spots outside of the popular Packers on the Packers, not to go to the Eagles side of it. Like you said, the um, the line is horrible, and it's not even like we're getting a discount on Sanders. He's more expensive than Chris Carson, almost as expensive than Austin Eckler. So if you're getting a salary discount, you can make the argument, but he's not even cheap. Yeah, it's a good point. On the other side, and the reason I ask you about the Eagles first is because the, the other side is, is a game where I'm more than willing to target this week. The, the Philadelphia Eagles defense hasn't actually been that bad. They just wear out. And I know you guys have heard me say this a lot. They wear out late in the game because they're on the field for 95% of it. Uh, but, you know, they've been, they've, been, they've been rocked by good receivers like DK Metcalf, Darius Slay really struggling against them last week. Green Bay's ownership uh, is likely going to be up there a little bit. But it's so hard for me to overlook a game like this just given that we know if, if, if Rodgers goes off, there's such a good chance that Devontae Adams also goes off. Uh, and I love having that pretty certain correlation there. What are your thoughts on Green Bay? I think uh, 
Devontae Adams is definitely interesting this week because he is the same price as Dalvin Cook at Derrick Henry, essentially, except they're going to be more popular. If you spend all that salary at wide receiver instead of running back, you're going to have a different uh, different line of construction than that. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everyone, uh, from the, or than most people, and Devontae Adams is a fantastic player. The matchup versus Philadelphia doesn't inspire a ton of confidence and there being a ton of passing volume for Green Bay, but he he has been the guy that's gotten it done week in, week out for Green Bay. So Devontae Adams, I think, is uh, is a really good option this week. Yeah, and by the way, Doug Peterson said he'll be relinquishing some of his play-calling duties for ship. I believe it when I see it. It's all nonsense coach speak. Uh, TJ... Alan Lazard popped off for a decent game in his return. It might have been his second game back. And, and, and Devontae Adams, I don't even need to go much further than this, has been great. Robert Tunyon, believe it or not, has the fourth most fantasy points among all tight ends. That surprises people. But Aaron Jones has had a really tough month. And one of the contributing factors, if you've watched these Packers games, is they're just so content with throwing to guys like Tunyon and throwing to guys like Adams once they get in goal-to-go situations. It's really hurt him. Uh, where are you going with the Green Bay offense? So we're uh, jumping way ahead. One of my or my top pivot this week was actually going to be Aaron Jones. Uh, Green Bay, 29-point total. A lot of people are going to be on Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Uh, Aaron Jones losing work to Jamal Williams. His ownership, I think I have him at, at 10 to 15%, but I think it could come in on the low end on that uh range so i think he's just a really good leverage play just from a opportunity uh scoring opportunity standpoint in what's probably going to be the most popular quarterback to a wide receiver combination outside of maybe deshaun watson and brandon cook so uh from just a theory tournament standpoint i love aaron jones this week totally agree and again if they do start running in those within the inside the five yard line you're gonna start start seeing or at least you hope to start seeing more uh, Aaron Jones opportunities because that's where so much of his production came from last year. My only thing, Alex, and I really don't have anything to disagree with as far as Aaron Jones goes because he's the type of guy that can win you tournaments. Not can, but has. He's won people tournaments with those three, four (laughs) touchdown games, explodes at low ownership. I would anticipate the ownership being pretty low this week. Um, The only thing with me is I wish he was like mid-6K with the way he's performed lately. Definitely. I mean, he's been one of the more volatile players this year, and uh, a lot of that is because Jamal Williams is kind of a guy that can get in the game and then see more snaps over him. But uh, Aaron Jones, as you guys are saying, he has that upside where if Green Bay's offense is rolling, it wouldn't be surprising to see him get at least uh, a touchdown or two. So I think... uh, as a contrary and spend-up option, Aaron Jones does uh, look pretty nice. Do you have anything else from this game specifically that should be touched on, or you want to keep this one going? Uh, let's keep it going. I, I think this game's good, but uh, 
the game script kind of makes it a little tough to to love Green Bay. All right, let me get to the game you wanted to hit on, Jacksonville, Minnesota. And, of course, for those of you guys that uh, don't know already that are just tuning in for the first time to the On the Contrary show, it's 1.30 Eastern every Saturday. We do our top uh, fade and our top pivot of the week for week 13. We do it every single week. So the top guy we're fading or at least coming in considerably underweight on, he's got to be somewhat chalky. Uh, And then our favorite pivot, which is someone that's not getting a ton of love uh, that we want to get to and be overweight on. In Jacksonville, they're big dogs this week, Alex. And I'm not surprised by that. Minnesota is playing uh, better football lately outside of that that loss to Dallas. But they have a 30.75 implied total at home, 20.25 for the Jags. But I've got to go back to James Robinson and, and, and mention that very, very seldom do we see a guy on a team that's lost 10 straight games that I say, hey, I'm still willing to pay this for him because he's averaging 25.4 looks per game over his last five, of which the Jaguars have lost all of them. He's the only running back getting any carries. And at this rate, uh, last week, he was the only running back that got any targets. So I, I, I can't just overlook him every week because they're dogs. Because even against Green Bay and, and Pittsburgh, he comes out with 20-plus opportunities. Definitely. I mean, James Robinson, one of the best fantasy performers this year, even though Jacksonville's offense has been very miserable. And uh, I think he's in play every week just because he makes up so much of their offense, just getting every rushing attempt and also getting a good amount of targets that if he does get in the end zone, that that's going to give him enough of a score uh, to to be in a winning lineup for sure. Um I think uh, the other thing with Robinson this week is you get a lot of leverage over Dalvin Cook and also Thielen and Jefferson. Those are three of the most popular plays of the slate. If James Robinson runs the ball 25 times, or uh, which would be probably if Jacksonville is having a pretty successful game on offense, you're going to see a lot less plays from Minnesota and uh, Dalvin Cook, in particular, probably getting less rushing yards. So I think that... You can get some leverage over the field. It's not likely Jacksonville wins the game, but when they do, uh, you get get a big payoff. TJ, do you think many of us have had blind <laughs> spots for a guy like James Robinson because we're so, um, you, you know, we're so accustomed, they're so conditioned to not wanting to pay up for a running back as a significant dog, uh, and we overlook the workload? What are your thoughts on Robinson? Yeah, and I think we definitely have a bias just against bad teams in general. I mean, Jacksonville, it's its easy to say they're not going to score um, score a lot and there's not going to be a lot of touchdown upside. But like we were talking about earlier with um, with Henry and Cook, like there just aren't any running backs anymore that are getting this kind of workload. So they, those guys have to be in your player pool. Uh, so, I mean, he's, yeah, definitely a leverage play off of, um, off of Dalvin. I think he's an interesting like run back just because if you are going to stack this game if you aren't going to be on Dalvin Cook like the hope is that it's relatively close so that the points keep going up and if that does happen uh, then you would expect that Robinson continues to have opportunities obviously probably the more likely scenario is Vikings win by a lot uh, because of the spread but um, we're, we're playing for the the more unlikely range of outcomes in tournaments, right? We want that um, outlier game a little bit, maybe possible shootout where 
Jacksonville does look good. So, yeah, I do like him. Um, he's not the only player I like on the offense. I think with DJ Chark healthy, he's going to be overlooked a lot. There's only 11 players over the last month averaging um, over eight targets per game with an average depth of target over 10 yards. He's one of those guys, so that suggests just a lot of upside. Now, we haven't seen him um, with Glennon, so who knows if that changes, but that uncertainty also will probably keep his ownership like around the 5%, maybe even lower range. Um, so, I mean, I, this is actually a game that I'm willing to like game stack um, and I don't know if a lot of people are going to be interested in doing that. As far as game stacks go, though, are you talking about running it back with with a single guy from Jacksonville and nuts? Yeah. Okay, just to make sure, you know, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not loading up on Jaguars. Let's not get right. crazy. I don't want to give the wrong impression, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it makes sense. And, and Alex, you mentioned this before the show when we talked about it. For the past three weeks, well, the past three games that the Vikings have been on the main slate, I should say, because a couple weeks ago they faced. Chicago on Monday Night Football or whatever. Uh, but the past three weeks that they've been on the main site, you've needed to get Minnesota right, whether it be Dalvin Cook's explosive blow-up game in Week 9 um, or whether it was Week 11 where Adam Thielen popped off for two touchdowns. Matter of fact, big large field tournament winners had Thielen and Dalvin Cook with no Kirk Cousins. Uh, and then last week, you had Justin Jefferson with no Thielen uh, and then, of course, you had to get Cooks, Dalvin Cook right in the instance of not rostering him and playing Derrick Henry. So Minnesota's been in the thick of it for three straight weeks now. Definitely. I mean, Jefferson, Thielen, and Cook have all won people tournaments in different weeks. So everyone's going to be looking at this matchup versus Jacksonville, thinking, you know, which one of these guys am I going to get in my lineup? Because... Uh, if Minnesota is putting up 30 points like uh, the Vegas line indicates, that's a lot of production. And uh, Minnesota's offense is very concentrated around those three players. So I think uh, one thing I might try to do is just have a lot of teams where I don't play all three of them. And uh, the reason why I don't love Thielen and Jefferson because... Uh, Minnesota is a very run-heavy team. They uh, the passing volume makes them look like good, but not great plays. Because I mean, while Minnesota's uh, passing has been really efficient, you just can't count on a lot of uh, opportunities for targets. So um, I would kind of lean towards Cook between the three, but I'm also kind of inclined to with how popular these guys are. Just uh, Take some other high-priced options. You're going to need probably 30 points out of these guys to win, and I'm not sure there's a high chance. Uh, so I think spreading it around to some different mid- to high-priced guys makes sense. We're still going to get to Austin Eckler. We're still going to get to a couple other of these spots in the final 15 or so minutes. But, TJ, what about Kyle Rudolph with Irv Smith out? A lot of people said, you know, well, Thielen's back, so – that's going to you know, eat into what we saw from him last week. And while that could certainly be true, I don't think we can ignore the fact that when you pull up their actual target distribution from last week, it wasn't just Rudolph getting all of that feeling uh, opportunities and nothing else. I mean, Chad Beebe and Olabisi Johnson combined for 14 targets. On the past four games prior to that, they had five total targets combined. So with Irv Smith out, do you still see some opportunity here for Kyle Rudolph at a position that basically you're just throwing darts every week? You're muted, I think. 
No, actually. Do you hear him, Alex? No. Maybe tap that mic a little bit. I have no idea what just happened. I don't know. All right. Hold on. TJ, get that fixed. If you want to unplug your mic, maybe that's it. Uh, I'll go to you, (laughs) uh, Alex. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why that would happen. He was perfectly fine just a minute ago. Try again. Nope. Leave Zoom. Can he leave Zoom and come back in, Alex? Would that be all right? Uh, yeah. All right. Leave Zoom, come back in, and, and we should be good. Alex and I will uh, hold on to it for now. Actually, you know what, Alex? It's a perfect time to mention awesomeo.com uh, and the fact that all of our premium stuff for every single sport is the best, most preeminent stuff you're going to find because, well, this guy right here, Alex Baker himself, developed all of these tools, the ownership that we discussed, that we reference on the show, the top stack tool, um, the player projections, the lineup builder, which is amazing for single or three max. We have the uh, fantasy cruncher add-on that you can get. All of the amazing behind the paywall premium content. Now we have a ton of free stuff as well. Great free stuff like Matt Savoka's matchups column and the data deep dive and all of that. But if you want to go behind the scenes and see what we've got, we've got something for everyone. And if if you're in a position where you know you're on a budget. For $3.95 a week, you can get the Express NFL package. It's all of the uh, showdown content for every showdown slate, plus rankings, plus the Express lineup builder, Express top stack tool. Uh, you can do monthly all access for every sport, the Awesome Plus Platinum or just NFL. But with baseball coming up, golf, NASCAR, MMA, football, and mid-swing, there's so much we've got. We'd love to have you come over and check it out. If you have any questions, DM me on Twitter. My handle's right there. I'll be happy to help you out. And when you do decide to sign up, use the, uh, not the promo code, hop into our premium Slack chat, say what's up. Uh, it's an awesome community. And we have an office hours too, where, you know, Alex uh, each week will jump in and then take all your questions. Ben Rasa, Adam Sher, Josh Engelman, uh, all of these guys, Steve Buzzard, who's a you know, multi-time $100,000 winner. Some great stuff. Hopefully you'll come over and join the community. Awesome.com slash join. Check it out. TJ, you back with us? Yo, can you guys there hear me? we go. Yo, All right. <laughs> Slight malfunction there. Um, let's go, Alex, and then I'll go back to you, TJ. We still got some time here, and we got the read-in, so no harm, no foul. What about the um, what about the Rams side of the ball against the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, I've talked about potentially getting different here and looking at Cam Akers at virtually no ownership, Alex, but the passing game with Jared Goff, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, some of those guys are going to be pretty popular against Arizona. Uh, are you loading up on the Rams this week? I like this game a lot. The thing that stands out to me the most of Rams, Arizona, is that these are both two very fast-paced teams. Uh, in my new advanced stats page, I have the average uh, number of plays per 30 minutes for each team, and they both rank in the top six. So um, that gives... Uh, a lot of potential to, for a lot of yardage and some good scores. So I think uh, this is one of the best games to stack of the week. I mean, you got two great offenses too. So uh, Rams, I, I, I like a lot because uh, as a stack, you got three solid options in Woods, Cup, and Reynolds. Reynolds in particular has seen his playing time go up dramatically over the past four weeks. So I think... Uh, you got you got the opportunity to make a lineup that's more differentiated, even if Goff's ownership is is in the mod, mid sorry the moderate range. So um, because there's three guys 
you can stack all three of them individually or pair two of them together three ways. That's six different ways to stack the team. And that adds a lot of uniqueness compared to the team like Green Bay where you have to have Devontae Adams, for for instance. So I, think- I mean, t- oh, I'm sorry, uh, TJ, uh, Reynolds has seen six-plus targets in five straight games. He's seen an eight, a nine, and a ten in there. He's getting a lot of snaps. Uh, are, are you interested in the Rams this week? And if so, how are you approaching them as a stack or as a team? Yeah, do you, do you guys think Goff will be low-owned? I have him sub-5%. I was we saying- have him at... Alex, what do you have at seven point six? I think. Yeah, is around okay. there. So not the yeah. highest on, but somewhere. Yeah, in the I, I think it's always interesting um, when you have guys like Woods and Cup, who I think could drop pretty significant ownership, like maybe fifteen, a little bit more, with a quarterback that could be close to maybe five percent, just depending on on how the public comes in. Like that looks like a bit of an inefficiency. So I actually wrote up Goff as a quarterback to target on a slate where I, I think this is a slate where it's okay to go contrarian quarterback. A lot of slates this year we haven't wanted to do that because we've had so many crazy high ceiling guys playing on the same slate now we do have wilson murray watson on the slate but all of them suddenly have a lot of questions seattle's uh seal passing game ceilings all of a sudden really low kyle murray hasn't been running i think he's injured and then watson we don't really know what that offense's range of outcomes is without fuller so i'm fine going a little bit contrarian at quarterback if we do think goff is going to come in a little bit on so i i like stacking um, this game with Goff, he's actually the main quarterback that I wrote up this week um, with those three guys that you guys talked about. I love it. Yeah, it's a solid spot. Um, I, I just throw Cam Akers out there because he's getting literally no ownership, 0.2% projected ownership. His second and third highest snap count of the season came over the last two weeks, and the two longest runs on the Rams this year, if you've watched our shows throughout the week, you've heard me say this, but some people only tune in to On the Contrary. Uh, The two longest runs the Rams running backs have had this year have both been from Cam Akers. Malcolm Brown and Henderson have one combined run north of 20 yards, and Cam Akers is the best, most explosive back. It's just a matter of whether or not Sean McVay wants to use him. But uh, if tomorrow comes and we see that Goff and and these pass catchers are projecting for a a, a lot more ownership in a game that has an over-under or total of, I think it's at, what, like 49, 48? then I, I might sprinkle them in. If I got 5% or even like 3 4% Cam Akers, I'm way above the field. And I want just a little bit of that because I wouldn't be surprised if this is the game where McVay starts to make that transition in the playoff push to get Akers the ball more than these other guys. Uh, and we saw against Seattle just a couple weeks ago, Jared Goff passed for <laughs> 300 yards and all three of their touchdowns on offense were rushing. So uh, weird things can happen. Uh, TJ, on the Arizona side, what about Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins? And yes, I'm going to bring this up, Kenyon Drake, because the last two weeks he has nine targets, the only two games where he's been targeted more than two times all season, and 22 carries in that loss at Gillette Stadium against New England. Well, I actually don't think that's a coincidence. I'm really glad you brought that up, and I'm kind of concerned about Arizona as a whole besides Kenyon Drake and I think the, the reason we've seen his targets go up probably not a coincidence that we've seen Kyler Murray's rushing go down and I think that has a lot to do with that shoulder injury it just seems like he doesn't want to get touched doesn't want to get hit yeah. that scrambling is the reason that this offense has been good the reason they've had upside and they don't have that right now so um, if he isn't doing that then I don't know if I can really touch him or his pass catchers um, I mean again like Kenyon Drake if you're including him in game stacks that's fine but I'm kind of cold on Arizona side of the ball. 
Yeah, Alex, what about you? I know you like the Rams a lot this week. I said Kenyon Drake. I'm telling you, that volume has been pretty wild. Uh, he's actually involved in the passing game, only ran five fewer routes, averaging five fewer routes than Chase Edmonds in back-to-back games. Do you have anywhere here on Arizona that you think is in a really good spot? Yeah, I I think Drake has been interesting all year. His kind of contrary in play. Um, I do uh, – I mean, I think Hopkins is every week just one of the better options as a spend-up wide receiver, uh, just given the number of targets he's getting. So I think that would be my play. Uh, Andy Isabella, he saw a lot of more work last week because of Larry Fitzgerald being out. He ran routes on 69% of dropbacks, a very nice figure. So I think given his uh, potential there, he, he's a solid play on the Cardinals side. Okay. Um, All right, Alex, we've got to talk about the Chargers in New England, namely because of one Austin Eckler coming off in a preposterously high workload in his return. That's why you got to be careful about, oh, they're going to be limited, you know, reports. I saw someone, Ian Rappaport has been, he has not been particularly great lately when it comes to getting information right. Listen, rap sheet, I appreciate you and all, but some of these, man, (laughs) not great. And I've been fortunate enough to to say, you know what, that's just a rumor. Uh, I'm going to take the the opposite approach. But there are other times where I've bit hook, line, and sinker, and, you know, things happen. So maybe we should just start fading his news and doing (laughs) the opposite and win tournaments. But I digress. Austin Eckler last week, 14 attempts, 16 targets after being sidelined since week five insane amount of volume now he's got the new england patriots at home in which should be a competitive game he's 7100 i want to hear where both of you guys stand on him yeah, i think Eckler is solid uh in last week's game he saw 64 percent of the rushing attempts so good but not like amazing there uh but the targets with herbert under center have been have been incredible he's gotten uh 33 over four games basically so uh that that's like about as high as you're gonna get out of a running back as far as receiving and he's been really efficient with them so i think that uh he makes a nice play this week tj what about you yeah i mean alex kind of covered it he's gonna be mega chalk and i'm i'm eating that mega chalk like that that workload at um like i mean he's expensive but not like crazy super expensive uh i'm i'm just playing him do you have interest in any of anything else from this game on either side? Um, I, I don't have a, a strong take on this game. I mean, Keenan Allen's always kind of going to be in play because of his volume. Um, I, I'm not on like Mike Williams, even though he has been getting the deep balls, but I don't know that I'm going to be playing a lot of Keenan Allen at 8,100 in this game. Like I just, it doesn't strike me as a game that I really want to be stacking. So we've covered a lot here. We're about to get to our pivots and stacks. If there's a game or a player we didn't hit on, Remember, four-hour marathon show tomorrow, starting at 9 Eastern, all the way up to 1 p.m. lock. It's the NFL Sunday Strategy Show right here on the Awesome YouTube channel. Of course, you can check out all of TJ's work at 444 Football, the DFS MVP podcast. Follow him on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Uh, And TJ, as always, man, we appreciate you being on. This has been a lot of fun. Let's wrap it up, boys. Um, Last game, and then our pivots, and then our fades, is going to be the Giants and the Seattle Seahawks. 
And the reason is, TJ, because the Seahawks have one of the highest totals, 29 points. But with Daniel Jones not expected to play, it's really hard to have any faith in the Giants passing game, even though Seattle, outside of an easy win and an easy job masking their secondary against the Eagles last week, have really, really struggled this year. Historically bad. Yeah, I mean, the the really uh, interesting thing, or, or maybe concerned, I don't know how you want to spin it, Colt McCoy, third highest uh, sack rate of any active quarterback in the league. So even though Seattle's defense isn't good on paper, um, I think they are going to have a field day against Colt McCoy, and that could really swing um, how people think game script ends up going in this game, especially if something crazy happens like Seattle getting an early defensive touchdown with the way they've already been running the ball um, a lot in recent weeks. Alex, um, is there anything that you feel confident or even remotely okay getting to from this side of the Giants? And do you like Seattle? Um, Sterling Shepard, I guess, could be an option. I mean, uh, Seattle's defense this year has given up a lot of passing production because Seattle's offense is good. Teams have to pass a lot more. And they've been uh, less efficient versus the pass. So I think Shepard being their number one wide receiver as far as uh, how much they're on the field, he makes a decent play. And then Slayton, uh, he's kind of the deeper threat. So I think there's more boom-bust potential there. But his price is reasonable. All right, boys, let's do it. We've reached the end. Appreciate all you guys hanging out with us throughout the show. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't subscribed yet. Help us get to that 50K mark if you like what we do here and you think we've helped you. Hit that subscribe button and the notification bell if you haven't. And uh, you want to get alerted when all new content drops because we got a lot of it. TJ, your top fade of the week. Disclaimer, of course, it doesn't mean you're saying you're going to have zero of them, but just that you could be significantly under the field when Sunday's slate locks at 1 Eastern. Yeah, the one we just talked about. I'm I'm going to be way under on Seattle's passing game as a whole. Um, I, I mentioned that that game script could go really awry with um, with Colt McCoy in her center. We've already seen over the last month Seattle um, only passing at the 17th highest rate in neutral game script. And now Chris Carson, he got eased back in last week, but now healthy. I think that's only going to trend more towards a run-heavy plan against the Giants. So uh, And Russ, Russ's ceiling hasn't even been as high as it was um, regardless, so I'm I'm gonna be way underweight on Seattle's passing game as a whole. Alex, top pivot of or top fade of the week. Sorry, uh, Mitch Trubisky. Like for some reason, he's super popular this week, um, and it makes sense because the Lions' defense is very bad, and they just fired their GM and coach, so maybe uh, they'll be kind of scrambling a little bit to to with their game plan. So I think um, Trubisky stands out as a good play because uh, of his price tag and the fact that Allen Robinson is a, a fantastic player that is cheap this week. Darnell Mooney also very cheap for his role. I think he's a great play, but I don't like the combination of the stack given we have Mitch Trubisky projected for 9% ownership. My pivot would be going to Jared Goff at $400 more. I just think that with three receivers and uh, that that I'll have good workloads, you can make more unique lineups. Um, and the uh, that game being against Arizona, that's pretty fast paced. I think it has a little bit of additional upside because of that. My fade's going to be David Montgomery, and 
I, I get why people are playing him. Ever since Terry Cohen went down, Montgomery has been getting the lion's share of work on the ground and the passing game out of the backfield. But if he's truly going to be coming in right where we have him, you know, close to, well, what, north of 23%, the, the Bears are averaging the fourth most points per game this year. Simple stat, basic stat. But they've just struggled to score points. And if this ends up being a slog fest where it's like, at the end of the game, it's 17-14. I wouldn't be shocked. Montgomery put up a ton of work in garbage time last week. Not necessarily sure that opportunity will be there. So uh, David Montgomery at that ownership, even though his price is solid, uh, I could see myself coming in underweight on him. TJ, who's your favorite pivot of the week? I'm going to go with the price pivot here. I have no statistical justification. Um, I just looking at Alvin Kamara. I'm, uh, Austin Eckler is the most popular running back on the slate. Alvin Kamara, almost a perfect price pivot. I just can't imagine that the Saints are going to continue to not use their most ex- explosive player in the offense in a week where you could probably get him at like 5%. You're not going to need a lot to be overweight on. So, again, no real uh, pull for it. I mean, the game has a decent total, but uh, Kamara – at super low ownership as a perfect price pivot off Eckler. Uh, that's It's just a straight game theory play. Awesome. I'll close it out. Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake coming in almost 20% less projected ownership than David Montgomery. Uh, and he is only $200 more expensive. His team has a 22 and a half point implied total. Uh, the Chicago Bears are right up in that same neighborhood at 23.75. So I'm not super concerned about that. And uh, the Rams have been a tough team to exploit through the air. TJ mentioned that there could be some issues with that throwing shoulder for Kyler Murray. Maybe they look to lean on the ground more. And the fact that he's been targeted four and five times over his last two games, particularly coming off a 22-carry game in the loss last week, I think Kenyon Drake is the perfect pivot away from Montgomery. And what do you have to lose, right? It's not like Montgomery's been efficient this season either. Alex, close us out, man. It's been a good one. Final thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, this one, it's interesting because it's kind of like the value plays have trickled out throughout the week. We got Devontae Booker as a great play now with Jacobs out. And we probably will see some more injury news coming out today and tomorrow. That'll, that'll shake things up. Got some great values with the Houston, the Suns, uh, Will Fuller. And then some, somehow all the Bears are super chalked this week. So th- there's a lot of interesting dynamics to this slate. It'll be a lot of fun, and I hope everyone has success tomorrow. No question. Alex Baker, at Awesomeo, DFS on Twitter. TJ, at TJ Hernandez. Again, 4 for 4 football. Check him out. The DFS MVP podcast as well. I'm Dave Lockran. Hit me up on Twitter at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and Awesomeo.com at Awesomeo underscore com. We'll see you back here next week. The On the Contrary Show, week 14. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Thank you.